When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back for our weekly Steelers mock draft tracker video um, with our Steelers insider at the Post-Gazette, Brian Batko. Brian, how are you? Doing all right, Adam. I've got my uh, Shaler basketball shirt on since the boys are headed to uh, the Whippeal semifinals. One win away from the Pete after beating your Bethel Park Blackhawks on Thursday night. Yeah, big bummer over here for the uh, the black and orange, the old alma mater. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad if, if, if they were going to lose that they lose to one of my Post-Gazette colleagues, get, get a little bit of joy out of that. We are going to get into some interesting picks uh, from around the internet this week. A lot of tackle talk, uh, maybe some Cooper DeGene talk on the back end. Uh, before we do, just want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the Steelers Mock Draft Tracker video, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. If you're just joining us, uh, for the first time, everybody, this is the weekly video where we just basically look at all the mock drafts across the internet. Who are the pundits picking for the Steelers? And then we just kind of give our thoughts on those picks. Um, wanted to start off with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. I think he's one of the more prominent names in the uh, the mock draft tracker business. Brian sent me the link to his uh, mock while I was working on the uh, written version of the mock draft tracker on Friday because um, we ended up having a little bit of a debate Um about Washington tackle Troy Fatanu. Um, uh, he's a little bit undersized, but he's been praised for his athleticism. He can really, he can pull really well. Um, and that's why he's been uh, praised as a nice run, zone run scheme blocker. And that could be a good fit with Arthur Smith. But obviously, there's a lot bigger guys in this draft as well. Brian, what are your thoughts on, on him and, and how he fits with what the Steelers want to do? Yeah, Troy Fatanu from Washington, I don't think he'd be a bad pick. I think he'd be a pretty safe pick, but I don't know that he's one that I'll be mocking to the Steelers very often for a couple reasons, Adam. I think first and foremost, Daniel Jeremiah said this as well, and you know a lot of the top draft analysts, especially those who home in on the O-line, think he's going to move to guard at the NFL. You mentioned the a uh, little bit undersized. It's not like he's... Uh, you know, a squirt or anything, but he's 6'4". Um, that's you know not your typical threshold for an NFL tackle. <clears throat> Dan Moore, 6'5", Broderick Jones, 6'5", but they both have really good length. The combine will 
tell us what Fatanu measures out at because that's always key to these O-line evaluators is how long are your arms? Because, you know, sometimes you could be 6'2", but, you know, if your arms hang down to your knees, you're still going to be able to play like you're 6'5". Other times you can be 6'7", but if you're a little bit more of a sawed-off guy, then, you know, pass rushers are still going to be able to get into you. So we'll, we'll see kind of how Fatanu rises or falls uh, through the process here. Obviously, he's a really good player right now. Uh, you know, Washington went to the national championship for a lot of reasons, but their O-line play was a big one, and he was their left tackle. Whether it's the Steelers or any other team looking at O-line in the first round, they'll have to decide, hey, can can he play tackle at the next level? Is he definitely uh, going to have to move inside because of some of the physical limitations? If I'm the Steelers, I'm only taking a guy if I'm 100% sure yeah, we can leave him at one or both tackle spots. And I think ideally, and I know Ray Fittipaldo has said this a lot with both you and Carter, uh, finding a ready-made right tackle would make the most sense because then you move Broderick Jones over to left tackle and you tell Dan Moore Jr., um, you know, play both or get lost, basically. So uh, that, that'll that be uh, you know, an interesting part of the calculation with Fa'atanu. Good player, just not sure about the fit as a Steelers first-rounder. Yeah, the one thing I'd say is that he's really only given up like an inch and a couple of pounds to, to Dan Moore Jr. So I think compared to maybe the prototypical tackle, he doesn't quite have the size. But compared to what the Steelers have, it does seem like he belongs in the mix for the conversation and wouldn't necessarily just move straight to guard. Um, and especially because the Steelers have a couple of guys at guard, you would you would think that if they bring him here, it's because they feel good about him um, playing at tackle. I think I tend to side with you, Brian, and, and if like an Amarius Mims is available – or uh, a Fuaga from Oregon State. Those those Casey mountain Latham from Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think Fuaga's in. Or I think all uh, those three plus the big two, Alu Fashanu and Joe Alt, uh, are to me a pretty clear top five among tackles. And then Fatanu might be first in that you know next tier after that. I think Tyler Guyton's probably in that mix too, and I think he's yeah. a little bit bigger. But um, let's just say all those bigger guys are off the board, Brian. How would you stack a guy like Fatanu up against? um you know corner the needs at corner there's a lot of names we talk about on this mock draft tracker every week uh maybe against the jackson powers johnson zach frazier some of those top centers um you know maybe even you know a jerzon newton if he's available at 20 i'd probably rather go for jackson powers johnson over somebody like fatanu just because of the clear um you know projection there you know jackson powers johnson is going to be able to come in and play center right away and the other interesting thing about Fatanu, just as we sort of focus on him as Daniel Jeremiah's first round pick for the Steelers in his latest mock. And, you know, you said it, I, I think he's one of the best. I mean, he's a former NFL scout. There are a lot of mock drafts that I'll click on and read to kill some time, but his is always appointment viewing um, because, you know, he's pretty plugged in. That doesn't mean he's always right. I couldn't tell you who we had going to the Steelers last year, but uh, it's always going to be informed, well-sourced, knowledgeable. So that's why I, do put more stock into his than others. Fatanu played left tackle at Washington, but keep in mind that their quarterback was a lefty. So Michael Penix Jr. Um, you know, is the rare lefty quarterback. He wasn't protecting Penix's blind side. I think when we get more into the weeds and, and others get more into the weeds on this draft class, that's probably something that'll come up, something that Fatanu gets asked about at the combine, um, you know, at pro days. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's something that allows him to 
be a, a bit more comfortable flipping to, to the right side in the NFL if, if that's where a team sees him. So, yeah, I mean, I've been pretty consistent on this. I think I said it last time I came on this show with you when we talked about Guyton a lot. I'm, I'm only going tackle be, because of Dan Moore Jr. And because you know kind of what his floor is, you know, you're comfortable enough with him playing a lot of reps for you in 2024 that I'm only going tackle in the first round if it's one of those top five who I feel like kind of, you know, blow him out of the water in terms of what you'd be getting from a rookie. Otherwise, yeah, I'd look elsewhere, be it center. Probably not corner for me, but D-line, if there's somebody who you feel like is a little bit underappreciated or undervalued in this class. And then, you know, outside of that, uh, you get into some of the more sleeper picks. I know we're going to talk about Cooper DeGene. He's a corner uh, nominally, but I think he's more versatile than that. And that's why he's somebody I would still consider there uh, if, if that's where he ends up being in the first round. Yeah, stay tuned for the Cooper DeGene talk. We're going to have a fair amount of that. Um, I wanted to stay on the offensive line a little bit longer. We saw a couple more picks this week. One was for a Graham Barton, the Duke. Um, I believe he played most of his time at tackle. Yeah. Um, that was Joe Brobeck of the Pro Football Network. Mocked the Steelers to him at number 20. Um, and then another name, Bo Limmer from Arkansas. More of a fourth-round guy. I think he was in one of those four-rounders that I tracked this week. Um, but the Steelers didn't pick anyone that could conceivably – take over for Mason Cole at center before that. So um, it was easy to kind of slot him in possibly as, as a center for the Steelers. The problem, Brian, is that the big selling point for both of these guys is their um, versatility and their ability to move. And and I, I've noticed people say, well, if he doesn't stick at center, you can move him to guard. I don't think the Steelers are really built that way right now, Brian. Um, and, and obviously there's the Kendrick Green experiment looming in everyone's minds. Um, a guy who, you know, played most of his college career guard, played a little bit of center, did not work out at center at, at the NFL, you know, level. And and that doesn't mean that that's going to be a rule. That doesn't mean that there's no guys out there that played most of their careers, college careers at guard that can't play center in the NFL. But um, if you're the Steelers, how do you how do you look at these guys who are not true centers, maybe, and, and more um, swing options in terms of possibly filling that hole? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's something I've been wondering myself because there there probably is a little bit of uh, hesitancy, just human nature in your mind, knowing that just a few years ago, you sort of tried the conversion game with Kendrick Green, who did have four starts to his name uh, at center in college. But as we know, it, it was a transition. And it didn't go very well for him. Doesn't mean it's going to work out that way for everybody. We, we've seen other players make that move from college to the pros. And there's only so many uh, you know, players coming out of college who do get a lot of reps at center. Because if you've got somebody who is, is your best lineman, you might want to play him somewhere else. Graham Barton's probably a good example of that as Duke's left tackle. But he's, you know, he's got the size. He's 6'5". All the you know NFL gurus, O-line gurus seem to think he's got the physical skill sets and, and smarts to move to center. Now, he didn't go to the senior bowl 
and ply his trade doing that, which is a bit interesting. I assume he'll you know, be under the microscope as far as that goes at the combine. Pro days are usually a good chance for players to be in a more controlled environment in a setting that's conducive to them to do things like snapping and center drills and, and showing teams uh, your capabilities there. Most guys are, are going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll play wherever a team wants me. But who knows? Um, you know, we, we know that we've seen linemen come through with the Steelers who might say that. But then when things go wrong, then you start to hear the Kendrick Greens of the world saying, yeah, I was never real comfortable at center. Or Kevin Dotson even saying, I was never real comfortable at left guard when I played right guard my whole career. Now the most recent one is Broderick Jones kind of being like, yeah, you know, I, I'm happy to contribute at right tackle, but my natural position is left tackle. So there is something to be said for uh, the comfort factor and just where you feel like you're best suited to help a team. You know, obviously Barton's film is really good at left tackle. There's a lot to like. And I think when you're picking in the first round, and this could be a point for someone like Fatanu as well, maybe you worry less about where exactly that guy's going to play and more about, is this just a, a really good polished football player with a ceiling or excuse me, with a lot of upside who can impact winning for us. And we'll figure out the best fit for him later. Maybe he can even play various spots throughout his time here. Yeah. Or even just a high floor in, in terms of, yeah, like you, you can say, this is one of our five offensive linemen for the next decade. I mean, I always look at guys like that and say, you know, I think of a David DeCastro is, you know, I, I know guards not as valuable in this day and age, but he was such a big part of those those teams, Brian, that, that I certainly wouldn't mind seeing a David DeCastro on this team these days. Yeah, it's just that they've got their guards pretty well situated with Isaac Sayamalo and James Daniels, although Sayamalo's uh, up into his 30s now, I think, and James Daniels is, what, six years in the league, and we know that financial considerations are always there, but I think their guard play was pretty good last year, and you know I'm, I'm less uh, eager to pick a guy who might have to settle in at guard at some point in his NFL career, I'd, I'd probably be, there's always a ceiling floor that you have to weigh with any pick, especially in the first round. I'd probably be more, just given the state of their roster, more willing to take a bigger swing on a tackle with the, the physical traits that you can't teach and maybe has some technique deficiencies that you just need to coach them up on. Brian, let's get into the Cooper DeGene talk. Um, I Three different mock drafters this week had him going to the Steelers. I think it's the, the Steelers-Iowa jersey thing that just plants a subconscious seed in our brains as as humans who um, eyes glaze over watching a lot of football. It might be. I, I heard uh, who it was David Bednar talking about Mitch Keller's uh, extension, saying he's got to get Mitch Keller to a Steeler game, and he, he told him just wear the Iowa stuff because it's yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. Um, but right Brian, Iowa, Mitch Keller. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we had Michael Middlehurst Schwartz of USA Today, uh, Kyle Mikey of M Live, and then Seth Trachtman of Yard Barker were all the three that, that, that picked Cooper DeGene. Um, he, he's probably the guy that I have seen the most other than Amarius Mims mocked to the Steelers. And then this is anecdotal. I don't like a Jackson Powers Johnson for sure, especially since the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Jackson Parsons Johnson's been there, but I would say probably I would rank the Mims, then Cooper DeGene, then Jackson Powers Johnson just on the raw total that I've seen. Um, It'd be interesting so, to look back last year at this time, like right before the combine, who was getting the most Steelers mock draft buzz. I I imagine Broderick Jones was was probably in that mix along with a few other of the offensive tackles coming out last year and Joey Porter Jr., of course. 
Yeah, we talked a lot. I know we talked a lot about Joey Porter Jr. all through the process just because of the uh, the obvious connection with Penn State and his dad. Um, but but Brian, let me, I want to ask the question about um, Cooper DeGene this way. Do you see him as this draft's kind of Brian Branch? Because that's a name we spoke a lot about early in the process last season because of his versatility, because a lot of people said, hey, with these three safety packages, he could be perfect with, with Minka Fitzpatrick and, and do a lot of different things. Then he goes to uh, Detroit, picks off Patrick Mahomes in the season opener. I think he finished seventh in rookie of the year voting. Now we're a year later, we see another highly versatile guy getting mocked to the Steelers in the first round. Is he a guy that you're you're looking at as, as a serious, you know, like we're saying, top three consideration for this team? Uh, or, you know, do you need to see more from him um, in this evaluation period before you're there on him? So the, the most recent thing to note about the gene is that uh, I think it was Dane Brugler of The Athletic who reported he will not be testing at the Combine next week. He, he had a leg injury that ended his season at Iowa, and it didn't happen in a game. It happened in practice. I don't know that there's ever been a ton of clarity on the exact nature of that injury, but it's enough that I guess he and his representation decided, yeah, we're not going to go out there and try to run it at less than 100%, especially when you play a position where that 40 time is so crucial uh, hopefully he'll be able to do the athletic testing at Iowa's pro day. But yeah, I mean, that was, I, I think he was going to be one of the way more fascinating players to watch at the combine because you do hear all of the stuff about, Oh, he's on the Bruce Feldman freaks list. And if you watch his college basketball high or excuse me, high school basketball highlights, he's just dunking over guys and it's, it's crazy to watch. So uh, that's, that's kind of a, a bummer that he's not going to be able to test out in Indy also tells you that they're probably fairly comfortable with uh, you know, projecting him as a first rounder and someone who doesn't need to do a ton to help his stock that way. But, you know, there are going to be questions about the athleticism at, at the next level. I mean, I've, I've heard the, the term that usually gets uh, put on him is a little bit stiff in the hips, you know, straight line and, and vertical and all that. Uh, you know, he is a freak athlete, but I think he is kind of the Brian Branch of this class. And, Last year, a lot of people were saying Brian Branch was the Minka Fitzpatrick of that draft class. So it's it's all about that in terms of the versatility. I think DeGene, more than those two guys, has a better chance of playing and actually sticking as an outside corner in the NFL. And I don't think he moved around the defensive formation for Iowa quite as much as those two Alabama guys did for Nick Saban. I'm sure Iowa really wanted and needed him pretty much anchored at that outside corner spot, given his speed and, and everything, his size. So, um, but I think that's a, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of like the Graham Barton of defense. Yeah. Maybe he's a safety, maybe he's a, a big nickel corner in the NFL, but almost regardless, if you feel like you just know that you're getting a good all around football player, who's going to be a, you know, a playmaker for you on the back end, you know, get that guy into your building first, worry about where exactly you're going to put him among your 11 later do you need to see that speed though brian maybe at, at pro date for for the, the fit with the steelers specifically because i'm sure there's a team that, that could use the, the whole package that he has but I, I know it's important to a lot of steelers fans that that a guy be able to play on the outside do you think he has anything to prove there or would you be comfortable <laughs> with them with the information you have now um if you said listen those he's going to play opposite joey porter a lot maybe not all the time Maybe maybe we're going to redeploy some guys in, in some sub packages, but the, the general plan is that that he would be the guy opposite Joey Porter a lot of the time. Yeah, I don't pretend to be somebody who can 
you know, watch film and say that guy looks like he has four, four speed, or he looks like more of a four or five guy, but scouts can, and you know, NFL teams employ people to do just that. And sometimes fill in those blanks, you know, Najee Harris never ran a 40 in the pre-draft process. You know, the Steelers were still comfortable picking him because probably a, a big, uh, you know, film don't lie type of deal, but we've also seen them become enamored with the athletic testing marvels over the years. Bud Dupree was somebody who, you know, didn't play at the biggest uh, or, or biggest football powerhouse coming out of Kentucky. He didn't have the, you know, greatest track record of stats, but you know, when he did go out there and test jumped off the page at six, five two fifty or whatever he was, TJ Watt kind of similar as, as far as those relative athletic scores and everything, a lot of teams are, are looking for that kind of value with who you pick in the first round. So I still think DeGene is going to check a lot of those boxes. But yeah, I mean, when you don't have the raw numbers in front of you, maybe it does, you know, scare you a little bit more uh, to, to pull that trigger. But I, I think just from watching him, he's really good. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. Again, I don't know if that's as an outside corner. Maybe you give him a shot there first. Maybe you use him as a box safety use them as a nickel. I think nickel corners are still extremely important and significant in the NFL these days. I can understand you'd say, hey, but you don't use a first round pick on them. Sure. But we don't know that he can't do more than that. So that's why I still really like him as a prospect and a, and a potential uh, you know, pick for the Steelers in round one. A few more questions for Brian before we do. don't know a lot about him, Adam, because they were hot on the trail of, uh, of Iowa's Jack Campbell last year. So they're, they're going to be coming into the DeGene evaluation with, you know, prior knowledge of having been around that program last year, looking at their 2023 prospects. We know these guys always do the advanced scouting, even when it's a year or two out from when a player is going to be draft eligible. DeGene, like Graham Barton at Duke, um, the left tackle slash center, uh, they've both been on NFL draft radars for a couple years now. Yeah, I think that'll be useful. Um, we got a few more questions with Brian here. Uh, before we do, just want to thank one more sponsor, Pitt Johnstown. It's a Pitt quality education with up-close and personal learning, a top-ranked Northeast Public College by U.S. News & World Report. Generous scholarships and financial aid are available, located on 655 picturesque acres with easy access to the city center, including shopping and dining. It's a vibrant campus life with an active D2 athlete community. Check out Pitt Johnstown today. Brian, Luke Easterling of DraftWire did the big four-round mock this week that, that I included in my written version of the mock draft tracker. He had Michael Hall Jr. did the Steelers as the third-round pick, the defensive lineman from Ohio State. Big concern about him is the size. Does that really kind of underscore to you how thin this draft feels at you know this particular position that we're talking about a, a guy like him as, as a late-day-two pick and, and maybe not a little bit further down? Or do you see him as as a guy that, that might have some you know Aaron Donald type upside? I'm not saying like he'll be Aaron Donald, but but could play above his size the way Aaron Donald has because obviously we're very familiar with that here in Pittsburgh, given the way Donald's career has gone. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but Donald was insanely productive in college, and I believe Michael Hall Jr. had a sack and a half last year for Ohio State. So th this is one that I don't necessarily see. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but. I think the Steelers traditionally look for bigger bodies on the D line. You know, Javon Hargrave, if you stack up the just simple height and weight comparisons might be similar to Hall, but I mean, his body type was unique in that, you know, his rear end pretty much had its own zip code. So he played bigger 
than what he was on paper. And, and, and even then still, the Steelers took him in the third round as sort of a traditional uh, nose tackle who could also, you know, bring more pass rushing juice than they'd gotten from that spot from previous players there. Hall, I just don't see it. I, I think if anything, maybe he plays in a 4-3 defense and is somebody who can, you know, quickly penetrate and get upfield. But yeah, I mean, the the numbers aren't really there. The size, as, as you just said, is the biggest knock on him. I'm not opposed to adding defensive line help in the you know, second or third round. Like I said at the, at the beginning, even the first, if you feel like there's somebody like, hey, this this guy is um, higher on our board than others, and we need to start replenishing there. I don't know if that player exists in this draft. If he does, it's probably a you know Jerzon Newton from Illinois, or maybe if somebody like Tavondre Sweat has a really good uh, combine and, and pro day. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not a great year for getting those first round D linemen. And I think for the Steelers, if you're going to take one high, got to make sure it's a, a better fit than Hall. Another name that came up this week in that uh, four-round mock was TJ Tampa. I spoke about him with Chris last week as a third-round pick. Luke Easterling has him as a second in this four-round mock draft. Chris's big knock on him was that he's better suited toward playing zone. Obviously, the the Steelers have been playing more um, man um, in, in recent years. And I know you talked on Friday's North Shore Drive, Brian, about how the Steelers have have guys that they they like internally, Darius Rush, Corey Trice. Um, do you do you how do you evaluate a guy like TJ Tampa in comparison to those guys? Do, do you do you want just another good corner in in the building, or if if you're making the choice between a guy who's better to- suited towards zone, the guys you already have, are you going to lean toward the, the more known commodities than a guy from from Iowa State? That you know, I can't think of another Iowa State player we've we've spoken about in the last handful of years that the the Steelers were ever really in on Will McDonald was one last year who uh, ended up going even higher I think to the Jets as a pass rusher but we know that the Steelers didn't really need an edge rusher last year but I just I I think they probably liked him a lot he looked like a Steeler on tape but uh, yeah I mean that's a guy that shows maybe Iowa State's producing a little bit more in terms of NFL talent recently with Tampa I mean I like him but I don't know that I like him that much more than some of the guys that you mentioned who are coming back. He's similar size wise. That's that's probably the first bullet point that you look at with him is 6'2", 200. He's going to be able to play a fairly physical brand of football at that spot. But, you know, like Chris said, he's not known as much for being sticky and man coverage downfield. It's, you know, you, you turn on his, uh, his film and it seems like most of his big plays are being made dropping and uh, closing on the football. So, you know, I don't know how good of a scheme fit it is for the Steelers that way. And and this is the biggest thing. And I mentioned this on Friday's show, too. You know, I get wanting to shore up corner because right now you feel like you've got such a big, empty hole right there on the other side. But I also think, you know, you need to be smart about where you're allocating your resources, the limited ones that you have in terms of salary and draft resources. You've got your shutdown, number one, in Joey Porter Jr. I think that's one of the the brightest spots that we – can take away from an otherwise yet again middling 2023 season and finish is that all the struggles that you've had evaluating and scouting corners over the years, and then you go to your backyard for one, and he's really good right away. Uh, You know, a defensive rookie of the year finalist in the NFL. And I know there are some advanced metrics and stats that 
don't paint Porter Jr. in as good of a light. And, you know, some of the penalties were a problem at times. But I always rebut that by saying you've got to understand the context of what he was doing, what they were asking and trusting him to do as a rookie shadowing so many top flight wide receivers right out of the gate when he wasn't even really playing much in the first month or so of the season. So I, I think Joey Porter Jr. is that shutdown guy. And, you know, the fact that you have that to take away either one half of the field or potentially the opposing team's best wideout, I think you can not pinch pennies, but be a little bit more frugal with how you treat your, treat your other cornerback spot, whether that's in terms of uh, picking a guy in the middle to late rounds or finding more of a bargain free agent to to hold that down instead of, you know, spending a bunch on a Patrick Peterson type or a, you know, I know Legereus Sneed is somebody that Steelers fans, probably all 31 other teams would love to see on their team. So um, that's just kind of how I view corner. I wouldn't reach for one in this draft because of how well you can sleep at night knowing that Joey Jr. is on one side. Yeah, and I think my concern with Tampa at this point is that his draft stock is really not solidified. If we're talking about him in the third round last week, we're talking about him in the second round this week. That's usually a red flag to me unless we've had an event like the Combine or the Senior Bowl where a guy goes from one station to another. You know, this has been kind of a static couple of weeks here. And, and he, you know, anytime that there's a whole round difference in terms of a guy's stock, that, that makes me a little bit suspicious. And hey, um, if somebody falls to you, you know, that's. That's all well and good. I mean, you, you can't have your uh, not your CB2 getting toasted every week or else, uh, you know, Joey Porter Jr.'s coverage won't be doing any good on, on one side of the field. But again, I just feel like you don't necessarily have to, um, you know, chase that guy in this draft and kind of let the let the chips fall a little bit and extract the, you know, the value of the draft board there. Yeah, especially, you know, there could be some trades here that, that shake things up a little bit, too. I think that's going to impact things. Um, Brian, the last thing I had for you, Bo Brady from Maryland was the other fourth-round pick in this Luke Easterling mock. Bows um, are in this mock draft tracker. What did you say? How many bows are in this thing this week? I know. There, it was. It's regular. It's spelled B-E-A-U, and then Bo Limmer is spelled B-E-A-U-X. Which is, I, there, is there a B-O a weird... in this draft? A, a Bo Jackson type of bow? I'm going to have to look that up. We'll have to, yeah, we will have to look it up. But B B A B E A U X is a rare construction, so I yes, was yes. interested in seeing that. Yeah, but this is Bo Brady B E A B E A U spelled B R A D E on the last is name. Brady like, or Brady? Um, Do we know? Uh, I've I went with Brady. It could be it could be the other thing. I, I wish there was a pronunciation guide for uh, some of these NFL draft prospects because unless you follow all of them, sometimes. Um, you, you don't know how to say their names. I'm going to go with right. Brady for now, but he's known as a, a pretty physical corner. Exactly. Yeah, you sent me that, and I think I still maybe possibly butchered it a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's it can be tough. But but let's let's talk about Brady. He's physical. Um, the Steelers have had some success finding some competency and safety though without investing. You know, I don't know if a fourth round pick's really a premium pick, but it's still you know one of your higher picks. How do you weigh that spot as a need? Would you take a chance on a guy like Brady if you really like him and, and if he is what you know what we say looks like a stealer? Because um, I think this is a guy who might look like a stealer, but it's at a position that that you know the value of it is often in flux. He would make sense being part of the safety duo with Minka Fitzpatrick because Braid, from what I've seen, you know, plays a lot in the box. He comes up close to the line of scrimmage, hammers running backs uh, in run support, and that would allow Minka to you know, float back to that center field spot where I think he's really good and where we haven't seen him enough 
lately to, to try to make plays on the ball. But with Braid, uh, he's somebody else who, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want to overdraft him because are guys like that a, a dime a dozen a little bit, at least in, in this year's draft? Maybe. Um, you know, we know the Steelers are always more than comfortable taking players out of Maryland. Mike Tomlin gets, you know, raked over the coals for it by a lot of fans, especially those who are really in tune with drafts. They did it yet again last year with their last pick, Spencer Anderson, an O-lineman who uh, I think it was hard. It was hard to even find a draft write up of him. So uh, sometimes they they take Terps out of left field. I didn't anticipate the Anthony McFarland, Antoine Brooks duo in 2020 either. But uh, yeah, I mean, Braid is uh, somebody who's been a contributor in that program for a while now. Um, you know, he is pretty fun to watch on the highlights because he does fly around and, you know, reminds me a little bit, I guess, of a Terrell Edmonds in terms of the body type. I don't think he's quite as big, but uh, yeah, he could he could make sense in a safety pairing with Minka. But that's somebody who I'd uh, I'd want to try to get in maybe the third or the fourth round if you feel like you've addressed the other areas that are bigger needs and uh, maybe the the ones that you missed out on just don't have uh, an elite prospect still left there, relatively speaking. Then you get into uh, somebody like Bo Braid. How do you feel about him in comparison to what the Steelers kind of already have or could have in, in house? You know, we talked a lot about Eric Rowe late in the season. Trenton Thompson was someone you talked about on the Friday North Shore Drive as well as a possible internal solution. Um, do you like Braid a little bit more, or, or do you say, you know, we like these guys internally that that you really have to have your socks blown off in the draft process to to maybe consider that pick? I think you always like the youth and the upside factor of it more with a, with a rookie, you know, Eric Rowe, as well as he did play last season, you know, all 32 teams saw something in his 2022 tape that made them say, "Eh, we're not really interested in doing much business with him yet. Uh, Steelers eventually bring him in and it made them look pretty smart, but uh, you know, his contract expired as soon as the season was over by virtue of being a practice squatter. So who knows what the future holds for him? I did think he, um, you know, was maybe a little bit better puzzle piece and, and gave them better production than the likes of Keanu Neal and, and DeMonte Casey, who were down with injury and suspension, uh, respectively. So, you know, will either of them be back? I don't know. I, I could see one or even both uh, being cap casualties because of the, the age and just inability to be on the field. So I can very much understand wanting to go toward more of a youth uh, movement at safety. They've sort of put off that for a couple years now, um, but it might be time, especially when you are paying Minka sort of the height of his contract extension now. If you can find that other starter on a rookie contract, especially a uh, you know mid to late round one, that's a little bit of a, a roster hack there. So uh, that, that to me would be why I'd, you know, I'd be keeping an eye on Braid and a lot of the other safeties in this draft. Trenton Thompson, sort of a wild card. I, I think you can still get something out of him, but I don't know what the Steelers think of him internally. And again, somebody else who was available uh, two or three weeks into training camp, probably for a reason, not a long NFL track record to speak of there. That is fair. We will see how things unfold. Uh, Brian, I'm excited to talk to you um, in the next couple of weeks now because we're going to have some NFL Combine to talk about. Always a, a busy time on the yeah. NFL calendar. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel um, so that you get all of our content from uh, the NFL Combine. I believe uh, Chris Carter's going out there. Are you going out, Brian? 
No, I'm going to stay back again this year. Uh, Carter, Ray, Jerry will be out there. Didn't work out too great for me timing-wise with family stuff, but I've uh, been to the Combine a, a couple times. Maybe I'll make it out in 2025 and get back to say I've also been to Indy so much in recent years with all the Steelers trips out to, to Colts land, and they're doing it again in the 2024 season, matching up with the AFC South, what, third-place team. So, uh, you know, I'll be missing the Combine to a degree, but uh, I've been there plenty, so. And it's all televised, so you won't be missing too much. Uh, but if you want to watch people run forty yards in a straight line all day, I'm—I say that ripping on it, but I'm sure it'll find its way on my TV screen at some point. Yeah, me too. I'm—I'm I'm the same way. Um, but I know Chris is planning to do a lot of interviews with some of these prospects we've been talking about. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you enjoyed this video, please like it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. We always appreciate that. Um, looking forward to a lot more Steelers talk next week. Thanks, Brian, for for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. See you, Adam. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.